Trinity Outreach Ministries International, a teaching ministry where lives are changed through prayer, worship, the word, fellowship, and outreach. Hallelujah. Well, let's look into the word of God. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 19. Matthew 16. Was a city dominated by immoral activity and pagan worship. Known as a red light district. Caesarea Philippi is different from the other Caesarea that we read about in the book of, in the book of Acts where um, Cornelius lived. That was normally called Caesarea of Palestine. A major city in Israel situated on the western shores by the Mediterranean Sea. Very beautiful. It was built by Herod the Great, who named it Caesar Augustus. He named it after Caesar Augustus. And as I mentioned, Cornelius, the first Gentile to be saved and filled the Holy Spirit, lived there, Caesarea by the Mediterranean. Caesarea Philippi, on the other hand, was located 25, about 25 miles north of Galilee. But the city religious practices were vastly different from the other nearby Jewish cities. In Old Testament times, this area became a center of Baal worship. Eventually, worship to Baal was replaced by the Greeks with worship to their fertility god. And Caesarea Philippi became the demonic center of that region. At first, the Greeks named the city Panaya in honor of their god. And many years later, when the Romans conquered Israel, Herod Philip rebuilt the city and named it after Caesar and attached his own name to it, calling it Caesar Philippine to distinguish it from the other Caesarea, which is by the Mediterranean. But Caesarea Philippi continued in its demonic activity with the worship to false gods. There was... Uh, promiscuity, sexual promiscuity. There were all kinds of evil that took place there. And right on a cliff slightly above the city at the base of Mount Hermon, there were two temples, one in honor of the Greek god Panaya and the other in honor of, of Caesar. And behind, that, behind those temples was a large cave. It's there to today. That cave is still there because Israel, Israel's bedrock is somewhat like Barbados, limestone. And that's why you, got, you, you find in the Bible, you read a lot of caves in, in Israel, very much limestone like Barbados. In fact, when you're going to Jerusalem, you see all the houses 
uh, in, in, in limestone and they're, they're painted either white or off-white, very beautiful. So the pagans felt that that cave, it was a very deep cave, and they felt that that cave was the, was the gate to the underworld. In fact, they call that gate the gate of Hades. Up to this day, it's there. And if you, when you, visit, if you visit Israel, that's one of the places they will take you, the gates of Hades. So that area was specially unique because it stood at the base uh, of Mount Hermon, one of the tallest mountains in, in all of Israel, and on the cliff where there were two temples, one to the Greek god and one to the Roman god, Caesar, there was a spring flowing through the, the river, and those pagans believed that that's where the, 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 the god of Hades would come through on the water at, at, at times of, at certain times of the year. So they believed that that cave was the gate to the underworld or the gate to Hades. In King James Version translated how? And Jesus strategically chose that place to make some emphatic statements concerning the establishment of his church and, that, and the power the church will have. In fact, Jesus presented a clear challenge with his words at Caesarea Philippi. It was by no accident he took the disciples there. And knowing those disciples, they'll be wondering, what is Jesus doing in this area of demonic activity? But Jesus was showing something. There's a church to the Greeks and there's a church there to the to the Romans, but I'm going to build my church. There's the gates of what people call the gates of Hades, where everyone was afraid of because that was the center of demonic activity. And Jesus carried his disciples there purposely to make a statement, I will build my church. And the real gates of hell will not overcome this church. And the church will not be afraid of the gates of Hades because it will have more power than hell itself. So standing near that pagan temple, those temples and the gates of Hades, Jesus said to his disciples, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He asked the question, who do people say that I am? And getting the answer, then Peter came up with, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Peter said, and Jesus said, based on that statement, on the fact of who I am, I will build my church. You see, the Romans had their church, but they were afraid of the gates of Hades. And, 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 and the Greeks had their church right there at the bottom of Mount Hermon. And they were afraid of the gates of Hades. But Jesus said, I'm going to build a church, not just out of limestone, 
But I'm going to build a living church that will rock Hades itself. All of the military warfare put together in this earth can't trouble Hades. Only the church is vested with that power and authority to overcome hell. And very often, we are afraid of what's afraid of us. I'm not talking about a, a cockroach. Because cockroach are afraid of us, but we're afraid of that. I am talking about hell. I'm talking about witchcraft. I'm talking about demonic spirits. They know who we are. They know our authenticity as sons of God in the earth. And they will fool us that they're more powerful than we are. But you see, he blinds us to who we really are. And very often we think we're the defeated one. When the devil very well knows that if we begin to know who we are. So Jesus in intentionally chose a place where two temples were built on a cliff. And at the base of Mount Hermon, in honor of Caesar and the Greek God, a place known as the Gates of Hades, to present his clear challenge. He wanted the disciples to understand that he was about to construct something that will be greater than the temples to Caesar and the temple to the Greek God and greater than Hades. He was about to build his church. The word church throughout the New Testament is ecclesia. When we get the Greek, the, 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 the um, English word ecclesiastical, that Greek word means a called out assembly, a congregation. It was it's used in scripture as a specially chosen people to set laws, to enforce laws, to carry out decrees, to keep order. It also refers to assembly of people, whether of Romans or Greeks or Jews or of the church. For instance, the Jewish Sanhedrin is, is, is an ecclesia because of specially chosen people, not just to enforce the laws, but also to carry out judgments, decrees, make laws to rule over Israel. So it's very important that we understand the definition of ecclesia. The church needs to see itself as a called out people, specially chosen by Jesus to do a tremendous work in the earth. So if we want to make a difference in the world, then we must understand who we are. If we want to make a difference in the world, we have to be different from the world. We must understand that we are called with a, with a called out for a special purpose. Therefore, we can't behave like the world. We must behave like the kingdom, the, the, the culture, and the 
and the principles of the kingdom of God must rule in our lives. You're called to be different. You're not called to be like everybody else. So you're specially chosen for a particular purpose. And in the, in the Bible, the Greeks had their ecclesia. There was a specially chosen group of citizens appointed by the king. They had control, final control of policy, including the rights to hear appeals in public courts, to act as judges, magistrates, to confer special privileges on individuals. They had authority to allow or disallow. The Romans had their ecclesia, their senate at Rome, their governors and kings and officials that were sent out by the emperor Caesar to other nations. And they were authorized to make decisions and pass laws on behalf of Rome. This is important. And wherever they went, they changed cities, changed laws, impacted cultures, brought cultures under Roman rule, imposed Roman culture, authority, and laws upon those nations, and brought things under the influence of Rome and its emperor. And that's what we're to be like. As the ecclesia of Jesus Christ, our job is not just to have church services. And I, I want you to hear what I'm saying. What we do today is important. Whenever we meet is important. We come together for meeting to go forth to impact. So wherever you go, you should be creating an impact. Understanding that you were called to enforce the, the culture, the laws, the ways of the kingdom of God in the earth. Even the Jews had the ecclesia, the Sanhedrin, who were responsible for interpreting and carrying out laws. They were authorized to convene, to judge situations, to pass sentences, to keep laws in, and, and keep order in the land. Their words had weight in Israel. Jesus said, I am building my own ecclesia. And the gates of Hades will not overcome the church. The church will be a people vested with power and authority to act on heaven's behalf, to make decrees, to set spiritual laws in place in the earth, to bring the language, the culture, the lifestyle of the kingdom of God into people's lives. And I want you to hear me carefully. That's why God set Jesus as the central figure of the church. He's the builder of the church. He's the foundation of the church. He's the cornerstone of the church. He's the head of the church. And even on earth, God was highlighting Jesus as not just the central figure, but also the king of the church. You see, the Jews have the law and the prophets as their guide. And they lived by the law and the prophets. Now God was saying, I am building a church who will not live necessarily by the law and the prophets, but will live by the word of Jesus. 
That's why Matthew said, Matthew opens chapter 17. Coming out of what Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give to you, the church, the keys of the kingdom or the authority of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Coming out of chapter 16 into verse 17 and verse 1 through to verse 8. Matthew says, six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them to a high mountain by themselves. And this is Mount Hermon now. Six days earlier, he was at the bottom of that mountain, declaring that he's going to build his church and the power the church will have. Six days later, he goes, he carries Peter, James, and John to the top of the mountain. And the Bible says, and verse 2, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. And then Peter answered and said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. You know, sometimes if you don't know what to say, you shouldn't say anything. Peter said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us... Let us make here three tabernacles. Hey, at least there are two at the bottom, but we're going to have three up here. One for Moses, one for you, one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus alone. Now you've got to understand what was happening here. God was establishing Jesus as the foundation the head, the cornerstone, and the voice of the church, the focal point of our worship and adoration. It's also interesting that Moses and Elijah appeared to Jesus. Both were, both were celebrated and revered as, uh, by the Jews as outstanding patriots. Moses, the giver of the law, and Elijah, the greatest prophet, can you understand this? This is what Jews were trained from and taught for, for all their lives. Moses, Elijah. One represented the law, the other represented the prophets. One the giver of the law, the other the greatest prophet. That's what they were indoctrinated with. And here stands the heroes. The one they heard of for all their lives. But six days earlier, Jesus said, I'm building my church. So you can understand that the attention will be shifted now to who they, their heroes were, Moses and Elijah. But God said, this is my son. In other words, they're my servants. This is my son. 
listen to him. He's the focus now of the church, not Moses, not Elijah, not the Lord, not the prophets. It's the son. He's the voice. He's the one that he will be speaking to you. He's the one that's directing you. He's the one that's building the church, not Moses, not Elijah. Now we can understand why Elijah was there on the mountain because he was raptured. Or he was translated. Rapture, the same thing. I know you may not be able to handle the word rapture, but he was raptured. There were raptures in the Bible. So we can understand him appearing on the mountain. But Moses, how Moses came into this, but God was showing something. You see, in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 5 to 6, and I hope I'm not going too fast with the scriptures. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 5 and 6, it says, And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died in Moab, as the Lord has said. God buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. So God buried Moses. Moses died, God buried him. And for Moses to be standing there with a man who was raptured, God would have had to bury him and then raise him from the dead and translated him to glory because Jesus had not yet been resurrected. So if Moses was still dead, he should not be there on the mountain. And that's why nobody knows where his grave is to this day because he died and God resurrected him. He was a type of Jesus from start to finish. When he was born, this king tried to kill him. When Jesus was born, the king tried to kill him. Moses grew up in Egypt. Jesus grew up in Egypt. Moses was called to deliver people. Jesus was called to deliver people. And you can see the parallel right through. Moses died. God raised him from the dead took him up. Jesus died. God raised him from the dead. Took him up. That's the only way that Moses could have been there. One would think that if, if there are two people who should be standing on the mountain, it should have been Elijah and maybe Enoch. Because Enoch was raptured. The Bible says Enoch walked with God and then was not for God raptured him. So Moses and Elijah, they're talking with Jesus. Three people had basically similar experiences. All three fasted for 40 days miraculously. All three had mountain experiences. Moses on Mount Sinai, Elijah on Mount Carmel, and now Jesus on Mount Hermon. But God was establishing something powerful. What represented the law and the prophets stood with Jesus. But Jesus said of himself, I've not come to destroy the law and the prophets. I've come to fulfill it. And it was only after Jesus fulfilled every part of the law, he could have died. That finally, one man was able to satisfy God 
that, more, that man could keep the law fully. Jesus did it on our behalf. So when Peter came up with this brilliant idea, because he knew what was happening at the bottom of that same mountain, God had to rebuke him, and he wanted to build three tabernacles, because this thing is not about Moses and Elijah. It's about one person, Jesus Christ. And in doing so, God was establishing four things. One, the church of Jesus Christ would not be like the like other ecclesia, worshiping multiple gods. Secondly, the church would have one head, Jesus Christ. Thirdly, when the law is done away with and the prophecies fulfilled, there will still be Jesus. Fourthly, God was shifting the focus from the law and the prophets to Jesus Christ as not just the builder of the church, but also the head of the church. And the spotlight will be no longer on Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, but on Jesus. That's why God said to uh, Peter and the disciples and the other two disciples, hear Jesus, listen to him. As Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 to 2 says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the voice of the church. He is the foundation of the church. Amen. I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against this church. In the presence of two temples, in the presence of demonic worship, Jesus said, I will build my church on the foundation of the truth that he is the son of the living God. He is the Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church. So Jesus was going to construct not a temple of bricks and stones, but a living church that will have so much power that hell will not be able to have victory over it. People at that stage were afraid of the gates of Hades in Caesarea Philippi. They believed that the God of the underworld had great power over them, so they dare not do anything to displease him. They were too scared of him. To them, there was nothing more powerful than the gates of Hades. But Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, my ecclesia. And my ecclesia will be more powerful than the real gates of Hades. So what would be so special about the church that it would defeat what others were afraid of? You see, today we have, we all know what's the OBM man, right? Today we have OBM man. 
people high up in the lodges, people involved in witchcraft and demonic stuff that are boldly, boldly proclaiming their power. One day my wife went to a conference and it was not all Christians. She was representing um, an organization, a secular organization. And this guy, a part of the conference was saying, they were saying, we're going to be late. And he is part of the lodge, whatever degree, master or whatever they call them. He said, don't worry, that plane cannot move until I get there. So my wife looked at him and said, so, so you own the plane? He said, no, the power that's here, that plane cannot move. He walked in that boldness and he was representing Hades. He said, go places and things can't happen. Things can't move until I get there. And she came back and said to me, what happened to us Christians? These men got power, but it's not more powerful than our power. How can they speak with such boldness? And we who got the real power, we're afraid. She said to me, they spoke with, the man spoke with such confidence. And we speak with such fear and unbelief and doubt. And we got the real thing. A man says, this plane can't take off until I get there. And we, we got situations where sicknesses are concerned and we say it can't be healed. When the power that resides in us is greater than any sickness, any demon, any witch, any obia man. So the devil sets up residence next door to us and we move. When we don't understand the church should be running the devil out of town. And we got two amens and bless the two of you. Because the church, the church, not just you. I'm not speaking to condemn anyone. Please understand me. We have built our lives around meeting like this. Pastor Mike, my next door neighbor is sick. I want you to come and pray for it. Understand. We appreciate Pastor Mike and the anointing upon him. But can I say something to you? There is also an anointing upon you. You are part of the church of Jesus Christ. They that believe in me shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. Let me tell you, only us as pastors don't believe. You believe. We are the church. Now, I appreciate our role as ministers where we pray for people. But when the church wakes up to who they are, our next door neighbor is sick. We go over and with the power that resides in us, we say, in the name of Jesus, we lay hands upon them and we say, rise and be healed. 
I want you to understand. I, I know I have a lot to say today. And, and, and the elders say, take my time. That's dangerous, bro. When, when I go out, I behave myself. When I'm home at church, I do as I like. See? <laughs> but religion has a sitting down, expecting things to change, and, do, and we don't understand we are the agents of change. So we build our lives and our ministry around what we do on Sundays, what we do on Wednesdays, on Thursdays, on Tuesdays, and we do not realize that the church is at its best in darkness because we have been designed in Christ to change darkness. Where's the light? We have been designed in Christ to bring change to communities, change to situations. We are the church of Jesus Christ. The gates of Hades will not prevail against you. But what's the secret? To me, the secret is to be filled with the power of the Spirit. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We need to connect to the Spirit and receive the power. There is a power in us, but that power needs to be activated, strengthened in us so that we can function in the power of the Spirit. If we don't function in power and authority and understand the authority that we have, we wouldn't see things change. Man's a third degree mason, understands he has the power. A power, sorry. Call them third degree masons or four degree. I don't know much, but a man in a large third degree mason to say no plane can move till I get there. Because he understands that the little power he has, he can use it. Or oh, that we, the church, will begin to understand the exceedingly great power that God has vested in us. Paul prayed this for the, for the Ephesians, and he said, I want you to know the exceedingly great power that resides in you. And then he said, that power... It's like the power that God exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father. Far above all principality and power and every name that is named not only in heaven but also on the earth. God, and, and Paul said that power is like that power. It's that exact power that God exerted in Christ. He exerted it in you. But what happens? The power lies dormant in us. And we feel we're nothing. We can't change things. The devil makes noise, we get scared. Because we don't understand that there is resurrection power inside each and every one of us. And if we are going to come up against Hades and win, it has to be done by a church of power. Not just a church that meets every Sunday. I hope you're getting what I'm saying. 
The secret to a victorious Christian life is not just meeting every week. It's what you do after you hear the word. It's what you do after you meet. Do you, do you go back and you, and you uh, assimilate this word in your being? Do you go back home and go through the notes? Do you go back home and pray? Do you receive the things you hear and act upon them? And during the week, do you draw from, from the source, the source, the power source, Jesus Christ, so that you can be active wherever you go? Are you getting what I'm saying? I'm not saying we don't meet. Yes, we meet. But after we meet, what do we do? Can I say it again? The early church was a starting point. In the mind of God, the church today should have been stronger than the early church. I think I need to say it again. If the early church was a starting point and they had so much power, what should we have been today? We refer to the early church and we say the apostles were the ones that healed people. But understand, understand it. It started with the apostles, then it went to the deacons, and then people went everywhere and they started to do great works. The mind of Christ was that this church was supposed to be building, getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And 2003, every saint... Who knows Jesus Christ should have been filled with the Spirit and doing great works. But we know what religion did. And religion has the church sitting down, having a good time, but we're not shaking the gates of Hades. And when Hades rises up against us, we're the ones on the retreat instead of hell running from us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, And I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it, and I will give to you, the church, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Keys speak of authorities, keys speak of access, keys speak of power, keys speak of dominion. The church has been given power, authority, and dominion to function on earth on behalf of Jesus Christ. And as we live in submission to Christ and are filled with his power, we will go forth to make an impact in the earth. We are called out and sent forth to make a difference. You see, when governors and armies and kings, officials were sent out from Rome to any nation, they were vested with power and authority to conquer lands. Not only to function on behalf of Rome, but also to speak on behalf of Rome. What they said, Rome said. When they acted, Rome acted. When they imposed laws, it was Roman laws. And that's why when they conquered a nation, when Rome conquered a nation, they sent their own governor or proconsul. 
and other officials into that nation to impose the ways of Rome. Centuries ago when king of England sent a governor to this region, that governor represented the king. When he spoke, the king of England spoke. When he acted, he did so on behalf of the king of England. When he decreed a thing, he did so with the backing of England. When a governor was sent to Barbados by the king of England, and there were things going wrong, he knew what his authority was. So when a situation went wrong, he didn't say, oops, I have to, have to catch a boat. Run up to England. Taught the king and find out what to do. The king will fire him on the spot. Because when he was vested with authority, he was vested to act on behalf of the king. When things went wrong, he spoke as though it was the king speaking and things came into order because he functioned under the authority of the king. When we are sent out as the church and we see situations go wrong, we don't have to say, okay, let me fast about this. They that lay hands on the sick, the sick shall recover. <laughs> Let me go and find out what God says about this. Now, I believe that we should be so in tune with God. We know what he's saying. My mission, heal the sick, cast out demons, save souls. My role, decree. I've been vested with authority. So my authority is not, and I, hear me. My, my authority, our authority in this earth is not when we see someone sick. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth, you will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, will be loose in heaven. Binding is, is, is speaking with authority. It's not saying, devil, I bind you. When you bind something, you forbid it to function. So you, you declare, you speak that word. You say, it shall no longer happen. When you lose something, you allow it. So someone is sick. Because I function in power, authority, and dominion, my role is not to ask God to heal them. We are the church. We make decrees, we bind, we loose. Oh God, heal Sister Alba. And God's saying, that's your job. God, I pray you will intervene right now. No, no, no. I'm saying you're here to do it. So our role is in the name of Jesus, be healed. Because as children of God, we've been vested with the authority to decree, 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 give orders. Release the word. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And I, I've heard many commentators and many notable and respected uh, 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 servants of God saying that uh, the, the real meaning is whatever heaven wants, you bind. And whatever heaven declares loose, you loose. But in the original Greek, it's not like that. In the Greek, is whatever you bind. 
heaven bounce. Whatever you lose, heaven lose. It's like the covenant in Barbados. When he gives a decree, he knows he has the backing of the king. It's not that we're walking around with, 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 with feeling that we're something walking around proud. It's simply we are representing the king. So we speak to sickness, we speak to diseases, we give orders, we make decrees, we set spiritual laws in place, and heaven backs us. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Some of you watching me like, what is he talking about? And when, when Jesus said, whatever, whatever is in relation to the gates of Hades, so whatever has its boundaries, Whatever does not mean I will marry you. You're going to be my wife. No, no, no. Whatever is in relation to the activity of Hades. So if Hades rises up against someone, you can speak and call that thing down because you have the power over Hades. Let me give you a couple of examples. One day Jesus was coming from Bethany into Jerusalem. As he was walking, he decided he will set an example to the, to the disciples to show them the power of decoration. And there was a fig tree that had leaves on it, as the Bible said, but it was not the season for figs. And Jesus said, no one will eat from you from this day onward and kept walking. Next day, came, come out of Jerusalem, going to Bethany. Disciples, oh, Jesus. The tree you spoke to is dead. And I, Jesus goes, duh. Because Jesus doesn't have issues with his decree. You see, Jesus didn't have to say, well, let me hear what God is saying on this matter. He knew what his mission was. And then Jesus said something to them. And my paraphrasing. This is nothing. If you shall say to this mountain, be removed. And obviously the mountain will be Mount, uh, Mount Olivet. Because coming from Bethany into Jerusalem, you have to pass Mount Olivet. And Jesus said, if you should say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and you do not doubt in your heart, but believe what you say will come to pass, it shall happen. Jesus said that. He was teaching the power of decrees, of setting spiritual laws in place. The Bible said Jesus spoke to the tree, and the tree was dried up from the root. Now we understand the spiritual lesson here. And the tree had leaves, but it was out of a season. But according to the fig tree in Israel, if it is out of season and it's done bearing, it sheds its leaves, like our mango tree. But as long as it has leaves, it's saying that I'm carrying my fruit over season like our mango tree. So it said it had fruit because it had leaves. And when Jesus approached, it had no fruit but leaves. That's another spiritual lesson. What about men in the Old Testament like Elijah? Elijah walks into the king's presence. As the Lord lives, 
before whom I stand, there shall be no rain in this place until I say so. Are these men crazy? The man didn't say, there shall be no rain in this place until God gives me a word. He said, there should be no rain in this place until I say so. The power of decree. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, if you're making notes. What about Elisha? 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 11 to 17. The Shunammite woman who, who, who built a room for him, Elisha, whenever he passed the city, he would come in and she would take care of him. And one day he calls his, his servant, Hazy, and says, what should I do for this woman? She's been so kind to us. And Gehazi said, but she doesn't have a child. And Elisha said, I call her. And Elisha said, what should I do for you? Should I talk to the king on your behalf? Should I do this? Should I do that? And then he said, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. The power of decree. When you know who you represent, whatever you speak on earth, it's backed up in heaven. You didn't hear the man say, well, let me, uh, Gehazi, don't call her yet. Let me pray and find out what the will of God was concerning this. No, he was so in tune with God that when he spoke, God backed him up. And he won't say, no, my Lord, please don't mess with me. Don't play with me. Like, you know this is what I really want. Don't play with my feelings here. And the prophet said, next year, this time, you will be holding a son. And the Bible says in verse 17, but the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, according to the word of Elisha. Wow. Are you getting what I'm saying? This comes when a person walks with God, connects with God, have an intimate relationship with God. We go into the Old Testament, the New Testament. Peter walking into, Jeru walking into Jerusalem to go to pray and sees this man who was lame. The man asked for money. Peter said, I don't have any money, but what I have, I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Decree. He didn't say, oh God, please heal this man. Cause him to rise again. No, he knew that God had invested power in him through Jesus Christ. He knew that Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. In other words, when you see a thing, I back you. Because you are the called out people. You are the ecclesia. Peter didn't pray. Peter made a decree. I hope you understand it. Peter grabbed the man and lifted him up. What about Paul who cast demon out of a slave girl? What about Paul again in Acts chapter 13? When he was ministering to the proconsul, and Elymas the sorcerer tried to stop it so that the proconsul will not be saved. And the Bible says, Acts 13, verse 9 to 11, and Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the key there, people. 
filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at Elymas and said, Oh, full of deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, and you, will, will you, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed, the hand of the Lord is against you, and you shall be blind, not be able to see the sun for a time. And the Bible says, immediately God acted, and a dark mist fell over his, uh, his eyes, and he went around looking for someone to lead him. Maybe Elder Bismarck, if that was me and the man was doing it, I would say to the pro council, give me a minute. And I walk in a corner, shut out a book also. Lord, give me wisdom here. Shut out, no. But when we understand that we are the ecclesia called out to set spiritual laws, to set rules in place, to bind, to loose, when the gates of Hades come up against us, we act swiftly. We bring the thing down. We decree the word. And heaven backs us. I want to walk this earth knowing that God is backing me. I want to have such a relationship with the King. I'm full of the power of the Spirit, constantly in communication and fellowship with Him that when I decree a thing, it so happens. So the secret, the key to all of this, be full of the Spirit. Maintain a close relationship with God. Dwell in the presence of God every day. Live holy lives unstained from the Word. See, holiness and power has, have to work together. Your first encounter with God must not be your only one. These are the keys. Let me repeat them. If you're going to walk in power... And you're going to maintain that power or strengthen that power. Where you have such that when you speak and decree, heaven backs you. you. First of all, you have to be full of the Spirit. Secondly, maintain a close relationship with God. Through prayer and the Word. Dwell in the presence of God. Live holy lives. And always encounter God. Be hungry for more. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. If we're to make spiritual laws, if we're to conquer Hades, we need to contend for more of God if we are to be truly the ecclesia and function on behalf of Jesus Christ in the earth. We need to increase in the power of the Spirit. And as I close fully, God wants us, I want you to hear me, God wants the latter-day church. The early church was one thing, the latter-day church must be more powerful. We must be more powerful than Elijah, Elisha, Peter, James, John, Barnabas, Paul, and all the powerful men and women who've gone on before us.
This is the church that's preparing the way for the coming of the king. The latter-day church is a church that will be full of the power of the Spirit. And therefore, where every trace of doubt and fear and religion exists, we've got to stamp it out by growing in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We are powerful. Know how powerful you are. Grow in the power of the Spirit. Advance in the things of God. And we will come to a place where when we speak, heaven backs us. And we don't have to pause and say, let me pray and hear the will of God on this. Because every day we'll be walking in his will. Whatever you bind on earth, whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. When you decree a thing, heaven backs you. God said, I've given you authority, dominion, and power. You see the thing with authority? Authority is when we enforce laws that God has set in place, and we will do that. Dominion is when we make laws, spiritual laws in the earth. Authority is when God speaks, we say amen and do it. Dominion is when we speak and God says amen to it. Authority is when God acts and we function based on what he says. Dominion is when we act and God backs us. Both authority and dominion will come with the power of the Spirit. It's in your hands. What do you want God to do for you? What kind of child of God will you be? And I will build my church, Jesus said. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against them. Trinity Outreach. The saints called Trinity Outreach must be that kind of people that will act on God's behalf. And it must be that kind of people and when you function in the earth on kingdom business, God backs you. This is not something reserved for the apostles. It's not something reserved for those in the Bible. Not something reserved for pastors. It is for every child of God. Will you be one of them? Will you say yes to the Spirit? Oh, fill my life. Pour out your Spirit upon me that I will be the true ecclesia in the earth, giving you glory in everything you do. There are aspects of Hades that are operating in people's lives that are yet to be bound, yet to be loose. God is dependent on us. God is dependent on me. God is dependent on you. Father, today, 
thank you that you have established a church of power. A church that rocks Hades. A church of tremendous insight, wisdom, power, authority, and dominion. And you've called us to make a difference in the earth. Whatever we bind on earth, we bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loose in heaven as we operate in the power of the Spirit. And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom, says God. Jesus is still building his church, and he wants a people who will say yes to him. And I want you, before I sit down, if you're here today and you say, First of all, yeah, I say yes. I want to be full of his power. I want to be part of this ecclesia that will make a difference in the earth. I want you to stand right where you are. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you see those who are standing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you will so fill us with your power. You will pour your spirit, O oh God, upon us. That we will function in the earth as the true ecclesia. The called out ones that are vested with power and authority to work on your behalf. May we be a people, O oh God, who walk with you, a people who love you, a people who serve you with our whole hearts, a people, O oh God, who go after you, a people of God, full of power, full of anointing, full of the Spirit of God. God, I come against every spirit of religion, for that's the, one of the greatest traits of the enemy to neutralize the church from knowing who we truly are. I break every spirit of religion. I speak into the spiritual atmosphere of this church and I declare in the name of Jesus every spirit of darkness that's come against this ministry, Trinity Outreach, to, to, to thwart its forward movement, to hinder the people of God. I say in the name of Jesus, be removed. Every word curse spoken against this ministry Every jealous word that has come forth from the mouth of someone to say it shall not prosper. I declare right now from its very core, it is broken in Jesus' name. And I speak prosperity upon this ministry. I declare every word that say you shall come to nothing. And here you will be not growing, not going anywhere, not moving. I declare it's broken in Jesus' name. And I declare you shall move forward with power. You shall move forward with authority. I declare there'll be an outpouring of the Spirit of God upon every child of God. Spirit of God, pour out yourself upon them. Fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. Oh, someone needs a fresh anointing today. Someone needs you today. Someone needs your anointing today. 
My God, in this church today, in this church today, open the windows of heaven. As you're doing on the outside, do it 10 times more on the inside and let the rain of your spirit fall on Trinity Outreach. Let the wind of your spirit blow, O wind of God. Come on, begin to plug into the spring. Begin to plug in, begin to press in. God is going to do something in this place. Press in. Be filled in the name of Jesus. Be filled with fresh wine. Be filled with a fresh anointing. In the name of Jesus. From front to back. My God, stir every heart. Stir every heart. Stir every heart. Stir every heart. Receive now. Receive now. Receive it now. Receive it now. The power of God. The anointing. The power. The glory. Be filled in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. As you plug in, there's a power that's coming upon you now to do cause you to do greater words. Receive now. In the name of Jesus. Receive now. Oh my God. Do a work in this church that's beyond every one of them. Stir this church. Stir this church, God. Let there be a stirring. Let the fire of God fall in Trinity outreach. Oh my God. Fire of God. Fire of God. Fire of God. Fire of God. Hallelujah. Press in some more. God wants to fill you. Press in some more. It's not time to tune up. Push in some more. Everything that restricts you. Everything that holds you down. Everything that stops you from growing. I break in the name of Jesus. Every move of Hades against you. I decree this church shall not be a religious church. Having form and rituals. Just going through the motions. Oh no. This is a firehouse. This is a house of power. This is a house of great anointing. This is a house where the Spirit of the Lord is moving. Receive now. I declare wisdom. I declare favor. I declare grace. I declare power. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want all the elders to stand up front, if you don't mind. You represent Pastor Michael and his wife. Hallelujah. I declare fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. A fresh release of the power of the living God upon you. Habroko Satan. Fresh outpouring of the Spirit. Infuse this life, oh my God, with power. 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 Like you've never done it in his life. Power of God. All over you, daughter of God. Be released upon her now in the name of Jesus. Power upon you. Fresh anointing upon you. 
fire of God upon you. You begin to operate at a completely different level. Be filled. 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 You elders represent the church. Filled. As I lay hands on them, the Lord lays hands on you. Filled. Fresh fire. Fresh fire in this house. I stamp out everything that will stop the move of God. I come against everything that will stop God from moving in this house. I tear it down in the name of Jesus. I declare fresh grace upon the pastor. Fresh anointing upon the pastor. Fresh fire upon the pastor. Hallelujah. I declare in the name of Jesus, you will know who you are. Full of power, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, full of anointing. In the name of Jesus, I declare this house is a house of power. A house flowing with the Spirit of God. Right now I tear down everything from Hades that wants to stop the people of God. Come down in the name of Jesus. I tear you down in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of religion, every spirit of religion, I break in the name of Jesus. Every demonic altar that's been set up, Rapaka Sunday, I bring down. Come down by the fire of the Holy Ghost. Cancel you, smash you. Everything that hangs over you to hinder you, I break now in the name of Jesus. I declare fresh flow of the Spirit. Jesus, Jesus, come and take over. Come and take over Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, come take over. Jesus. That there'll be never any religious activity. I speak to the spiritual gates of this church. I speak life. Everyone who enters here steps into life. Steps into anointing. That they will know that healing is wrought by the power of the Spirit. I declare of Pastor Michael that you have come into a new season of operating because a fresh wind of the Spirit will flow upon you. I decree in the name of Jesus and I prophesy over you that in these next few years you will see an increase in the flow of the anointing that takes you out of yourself and makes you a new man, a new man. In the name of Jesus, you shall lead a radical people, a people of power, a people of glory, a people of strength, a people of great anointing. I declare from this day, a greater anointing comes upon you, Pastor Michael, and you will function at a level you've never functioned at before. I release grace to you, great grace to you, more grace to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh God, arise and let your enemies be scattered. Jesus.
And I speak to any sick person in this place. Be healed in Jesus' name. Any sickness represented, be healed. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Trinity Outreach Ministries International. Growing and going by increasing in the knowledge of God.